today in space. Today in space. In space. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Uh, it is Sunday, June nineteenth. I know it, I said Saturday, but uh, my week just did not work out that way. But we're here now, and that's what matters. So, how's your week been? Honestly, uh, I hope it's been great. Uh, we had some pretty terrible shit happen this last week. And I usually don't talk about this stuff, um, not because I don't believe that it needs to be talked about, but because I kind of see this show as a release from all the normal bullshit you have to deal in a day and the regular stuff that's just the boring, you know, oh, here's this again, you know. So I want this to be a place where you come, have good thoughts, and enjoy yourself for half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half. So I don't talk about politics, I don't talk about um, anything that's negative, but I do want to talk about this week, about what happened in Orlando, and and give an engineer's perspective from it, because you're going to hear all the crazy extreme on both sides, especially if you're an American, you're going to see both sides of it, and you're, how many illogical and totally emotional with no reasoning explanations of what happened or the reason something went wrong. I I can give you what I think is the biggest issue that we have, and it's that we're losing our humanity. Because that's what this weekend, that's what last week was. It was a crime against humanity. All right? I'm of the school of thought that whatever you believe in, whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to do with your life, in America, around the world, but in America, you have the opportunity to do that, and you should go for it. And getting in that person's way is is not what you should be doing, because then you're not living your life if you're trying to get in the way of someone else. Now, I mean, there's limitations if you're harming anybody or you're, you're doing, you're causing any harm or, or whatever you're doing is, that's it, hurting someone else. That's really what it boils down to. If, I, if I'm going to really call it what it is, that's what it is. Everything else you should be allowed to do. I, I don't really want to know everything that every single person does, but I don't think we should have to. And if you want to do what you want to do, go for it. And anyone who gets in the way of that and then takes it to the next level where they're harming other human beings because they, for whatever reason, they, they think that they're wrong. You are wrong in doing that. They're not harming anybody. And let's really get down to, to the, one of the nitty-gritty issues is that we're divided. We're divided. We, we live on our cell phones. We call ourselves this. We're, we're a part of this, you know, and there's always some kind of oppositions towards that. You know, one of the biggest reasons I don't talk about politics on this show is because it's so polarizing. And most times you can't have a legitimate debate 
a debate, not an argument, because 99% of the people who ever talk about politics are having an argument. They're not having a debate. They're not bringing up points, trying to emphasize their point, and then allowing the other person to do the same. No one going into a debate really believes they're going to change anyone's mind. Like, that's not their goal. Their goal is to represent the facts and represent their opinions with those facts. The goal isn't really to change anyone's opinion. It's to bring it up. And most of us don't have that kind of conversation. I was talking with John, who's been on the show uh, many times. We talk about music, mostly movies. We have very good conversations like that because we respect each other enough to talk about things without ever yelling or, or, or hurting the other person. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Is It's a thing of humanity. And yes, is shooting up a club different than that? Way more extreme? Of course. But all these little things add up. We, we need to, to be a part of that humanity. That's That's what everyone is missing. We're stuck on our cell phones. We're stuck on, you know... All these little things. This is even a strange situation if you're listening to this. But this is even stranger because it kind of is a conversation. You know, it, it kind of is. And at least we're getting to know each other. That's what I think if you're asking yourself, what can you do? What can a normal person do to help this? Because it seems like there's not enough people enough people behind it or enough energy to do these big huge things which i think is totally a reasonable thing to feel overwhelmed by the amount of things we need to do as humanity yeah it is a little bit overwhelming but the question is and uh, and this question came up a lot in the last election with everybody does your vote count does this count If you're counting it as one in 300 million, then no, it doesn't. But you're missing all the subtleties of what one person can do. I'll give you, for instance, I, I practice this myself because that's where I had gotten to from, the, from 2008 to 2012, that whole, from the first election to the next election, you know, I really had to ask myself a lot of questions like, okay, what do I really believe in? And, and am I actually doing that shit? Or am I just bullshitting myself? And for me, it was like, okay, go out there and, and be a good person. Outwardly, make a point to be a good person. Hold open doors, say hi to somebody, somebody who's, who's working at, we'll just say a Whole Foods, right? They're working the cashier, right? You go to check out, say hi, just ask them how their day is. Just just that simple act of saying, oh, hey, you're another human being. Let's talk. How are you? I understand. You're at work. Doesn't have to be bad. How are you doing? That's, that's, those simple little things help keep people in humanity. Because we're fighting this digital world versus human world thing that's going on with everyone's technology. Right? And if you haven't noticed, everyone regresses within themselves. And then their thoughts just kind of circulate, you know? For me, whenever I get to talk out loud to somebody, say those thoughts out loud, 
I realize just how crazy they are. And I think that's what a lot of people today are missing is having a friend or just another fellow human being who either reaches out, gives them some kind of human interaction, makes them feel like they're alive, like someone else notices them in the world. And then the other side, having people around you that help you understand that some of your thoughts are fucked. Some of your thoughts are ridiculous. I have plenty that I've said to people (laughs) and then laughed about immediately afterwards. I'm like, wow, I had that totally wrong. Or wow, what the hell was I thinking? I have that all the time. But I do have good friends, good people, good human beings, family behind me that I can do that. A lot of these people are either stuck in a one thought, one click, cult, whatever you want to call it, and they don't ever see another side. You know, I, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles, the gay community, the entire community, I, I don't know all of them, I know there's more than just gay, but the whole group, They've done a great job of going out and I know in my generation, they're way more accepted than they were in the pre- previous generation because we know them. We, we hang out with them. We, we interact with them as human beings, but not many people have experienced that, especially if you look at the, the scope of how many people there are. We understand it because we've gone to a human level with people. We understand, okay, they're just another human being doing their best and surviving. And this is what they're into. Great. This is what they believe in. Fine. But most people don't have that. And I think we get fucked up with the idea. You know, we we do a great job of bringing an issue to the forefront in America, but we don't follow through with practical ways to do it. So what I'm saying is go out there and, and, and give humanity a try. You know, interact with people. And I know if you're listening to the show, there's probably a 50-50 chance that you're either an introvert or um, very highly intellectual, but don't necessarily have a lot of social skills. Well, guess what? That's how you make them better, is talking with other human beings. And it doesn't have to be much. You don't have to hold on a long conversation. I mean, look, I can talk for hours. We already know this. (laughs) This is aware. So I'm an odd case. But just a simple one thing. It, you don't have to keep it long. Like the instance with, with the, the cashier, right? The typical, you know, monotonous, hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Then add an extra thing. Just how's your day going? Get it out of the loop. Get, get us out of that reciprocal nature of just doing the same thing, the motion, that, that clicks people out. You'll notice it. Try it. You'll notice. Someone, you'll just notice that their whole composure changes and they realize that you're paying attention to them. There are some assholes out there and you'll, you'll get them. But for the most part, most people are, just want to be noticed. <laughs> or no, you know, it's just nice to know that somebody else is even considering you, that you're existing. So my statement to all of everyone listening 
and to myself every day is give humanity a try. Go out there and be a part of humanity and be a human being. Interact with human beings. That's going to help so many little things if we do that. And it's not something that's going to work right away. We all want the quick answer. And I know most of you are thinking, if we can't do it the other way, this way is way harder. I I get that. But if you feel like you're stuck and you feel like you're just looking for something to do, some, what can I do to help the situation? That's my suggestion, is go out there and be another fellow human being and be a part of it. And I think we can solve a lot of things by doing that. And something I came across this last week uh, is, I'm not even sure if it's an organization or if it's a legitimate movement or whatever, but it's this concept of the citizen scientist or citizen science. And what is citizen science? Citizen science is a citizen taking taking it upon themselves, him, her, however you'd like to be, your human self, to do science and then collaborate with professional scientists so that more science is being done. And I think that's an amazing, it's, it's an incredible concept. It's what I'm doing here. I didn't realize, you know, you should fall upon these things. You're like, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. I am all about citizen science. If that means that the people do science And then it gets picked up by professional science. Because the more work we can do for science, the more science there is to be done. You know, and that is done. You know, yeah, if one person does one scientific thing every day, right? That's 365 scientific things a year. Even if they're really small. Then, now I've got to grab the calculator. If, let's just say you take a thousand people, right? That's 36 million or so, 36.5 million (laughs) ways, uh, steps towards science. And even if 1%, gets through, right? That's 1% of 36 and a half million things. So what I'm saying is a numbers game. If, if we all go out there and we do, and we focus on something, we focus on one thing to do every day, then as we move on, as we get further, as we keep working on it, not only will we get better, but we're, we're adding up a count of things that we're doing. It's not immediate, but it builds, And that's really, and that's, you see that in the space industry, you know, we don't move ahead, we didn't move ahead at the speed that we thought science fiction would, right? We we really got fucked up by that, that, oh man, we won't be living in space when we thought. And then that's when funding died and, and all these things did. But the people working on science didn't stop just because people didn't believe in it anymore. They kept working on it. 
And look where we are today in 2016, where we have billionaires investing in, in making our species interplanetary. Looking out for us at a time when we have the opportunity to look out for ourselves. Before things get real screwy and we have to do one Hail Mary shot like Armageddon. Right? With Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck. Just an all-star cast altogether. We're working on it. Slowly. And SpaceX is is a great example of it. Their speed and their... um, performance is because they have some of the best people and they have a formula that works. But that was started from doing steps, baby steps that make momentum. It goes back to that whole thing, momentum. We want to just jump in and fix everything and then go back to our lives. But it doesn't work like that. We need to work at it slowly. And have determination at it. So if you really, really do feel like you want to do something and you feel like you're stuck, start slow, but start. Start somewhere, even if it's a small step. And I guarantee you, the more you do that, the better it will get. And if we all do that, we're going to be in a really good place as humanity. But we can't do it until we try to do it. So don't get down by this. Figure out what you want to work on and work on it. Go out there and do it. Kick some fucking ass and let's do this for the future, for us, for humankind, for all of the universe. All right? Okay. With that said, happy birthday to all your fathers out there. Happy birthday. What the fuck? Happy Father's Day. (laughs) It's a birthday for every father. Woo! Happy Father's Day to all your fathers. Let's get into the show. In orbital news this week, we've got two big things, but we'll start with the SpaceX UTELSAT slash ABS mission. And this mission uh, was aboard another Falcon 9 rocket. Pretty typical, but it delivered this time two commercial satellites, commercial communication satellites, to geotransfer orbit, geostationary transfer orbit. Wow, I'm just running through words here. Uh, the two satellites will, are from two different companies. So one from UTELSAT, one from ABS. And, uh, you know, they help provide global communication services to a whole bunch of pe- uh, users, as they call it. Um, <clears throat> it launched to golf from the Space Launch Complex 40 at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station in Florida on June 15th, I believe. I'm reading the, uh, what I'm guessing is the presser. Uh, both satellites, they took off and, uh, the launch went very well. Uh, very successful if we go to SpaceX's Twitter page. Second, load, damn it. Come on. Anyways, the, there's some really cool stuff. You know, there's a, a quick vine of the second satellite being deployed out of the back of 
what I guess would be the second stage. Uh, it's a very, very cool image. Uh, again, just to see planet Earth at that angle is just ridiculous. And to think that it only took us a short amount of time to even get there. It's crazy. Now, both of those went successfully, and that's really what it comes down to for SpaceX is, is that's the mission that needs to be completed successfully. And <clears throat> the really cool thing is they do so much that <clears throat> it definitely does get overlooked that they successfully completed the mission because that's the reason they're in there in the first place. Uh, but the landing did not go so well. Um, the first stage is it was coming back to land on, of course, I still love you, the drone ship. Uh, what seemed to happen is that it seemed to come down too fast and, you know, you could see smoke rising from the, uh, the drone ship. So obviously you knew it didn't go well. Uh, and there's a video at the, what on today is, uh, SpaceX's post from Elon Musk. Uh, it says that it looks like the early liquid oxygen depletion caused engine shutdown just above the deck. So if you actually watch it, the rocket comes in uh, kind of at a 45, slows itself down, but then almost looks like it's hovering. And it seems like it's having, uh, you know, it really had to slow itself down before it touched. And then right before it, it looks like the engine either cuts off or dies out. And then you just see all this black smoke rising. Now, it is a faraway angle, so we don't have the one on deck. But <laughs> essentially, uh, Elon Musk said it looks like thrust was low on one of three landing engines. High-G landings, very sensitive to all engines operating at max. So, okay, so that's... So these engines are, are completely turned on. The valve is all the way open, and these things are just completely working. And if one of the thrusts doesn't work well on an engine then you're not going to be able to do what you're trying to do. And uh, Elon said something about the landing. Basically that when the rocket came down, it pretty much just destroyed the whole thing. He called it, uh, let me see here. We well, said that the... <laughs> The rocket had, a, had an RUD, which <laughs> he quoted as being, uh, the definition is a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> so basically, what ended up happening was the whole engine just like dropped out and the rocket kind of folded in on itself. So it's pretty crazy. Uh... But this is what we're working on. These are the things we need to test out now before we go all in trying to do reusable rockets. You know, another quote from Elon is, as mentioned at the beginning of the year, I'm expecting approximately 70% success rate on landings for the year. 2016 is the year of experimentation. So echoes all the things we've been talking about here, that we're working on things slowly. So yes, are we not on Mars yet? No. Are, are we seriously in space yet? No, but we are really moving towards that goal now. You know, we've had our first launches. Two companies have, have had two landings of their rockets after launches. And 
we're working on all the little aspects of space travel right now. So that when we do get to that point, we can go balls deep space people. You know, uh, that, uh, that was really weird. I don't know why I said that. But we can go all in is really what I'm trying to say. We can go all in in our space travel. And that's what it takes is a little bit of work all the time. And, you know, SpaceX could easily just say we don't have enough time to, you know, do this research and development because we have to go to Mars. You know, we can't be testing reusable rocket uh, engine technology if we're trying to go to Mars, you know. But no, they're working on all of it while they can because they run their business how they want to. You know, it's, it's run to do all these things little by little and make major advances in the long run. And uh, I, I, I love seeing a company that does that. I love seeing people that do that. Because it's, it's determination and the engineers behind this, everyone behind getting these Falcon 9s to launch, land, bringing them back. All this stuff is, there's going to be a book written about this in the future that's going to be just as important as the first days of NASA and the first days of us trying to put a man on the moon. You know, this era is only begun. And it is so exciting to watch. And so I... I, I can't wait to see what the next step is as always so congratulations to the spacex team for a successful two commercial satellite commercial communication satellite launch and getting the falcon 9 back to the drone ship yeah it didn't land right and it had an rud but you made it you made it back to the drone ship it's fucking awesome so congrats All right, so before we go into the second part of the orbital news for this week, I wanted to jump in the middle here and do another Elon Musk said segment. So this week, Elon Musk had brought up the new plans of going to Mars, what, what, what the new details are. And before I start that, a lot of people... One of the things that comes up a lot when you're discussing space travel and the issue of why we're using that money to do that and why is space travel so important? Why are we doing it? And there's a lot of answers out there, a lot of reasonings, and I'd like to throw mine out there. And mine is simply for the fact that it is... Space travel is extremely hard. Living in space is extremely difficult. And the sheer feat of doing it, I feel like, unlocks everyone's potential. It unlocks everyone's thinking of what is possible. I think that's what space travel, why it's so important, is that it unlocks potential in everybody. Doing these incredible, amazing things, getting outside of our box, which is actually a sphere called the Earth, getting away from that 
and doing the impossible, essentially, is super important to humankind, to humanity, because it lets us understand that the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis are not that difficult and that they are possible to do because we landed on the moon. Because we're relanding rockets. Because we're going to colonize Mars. These things are extremely difficult and they're crazy fucking lunatic goals. But we know they're achievable if we get the right people at the right time doing it. And we, we figure it out. And we work on it. And we, we work the problem. That's all possible. It's the beauty of, of thinking scientifically, of, of, of having a scientific basis, is you know that as long as you take down the facts and you whittle down what works, what doesn't work, you will get to something eventually. And so space travel is important because it under, makes people understand that we can do more we, we, we're, our potential is more than what it is today. That's why space travel is important. And having these new details about how we're going to get to Mars is super exciting. So let's get into those. Now, the details were released. I, I saw it in a Washington Post article that was on June 10th. And it was an interview with Elon Musk. And he laid out, as they said, the additional details, um, essentially talking that the, the spirit of the mission is, as I've said here before, which if it was never released f- before, then woohoo, I got it right. But uh, I'm sure I heard it somewhere, is that going to Mars, setting up this colony, this settlement, is just like the settlement of the New World by the colonists, who crossed the Atlantic Ocean to come here to America. You know, but he's also aware that going across the Atlantic and going, as the article says, an average of 140 million miles from Earth is super difficult. It's hard, risky, dangerous, difficult, all those things. But just like we've seen with something like Mars One and and stuff that we've seen with the idea of Mars being in everyone's head now all the time. There are people that want to do that. There are people that are crazy enough, just like those original English colonists, (laughs) to come over here and start at a new world. They're pioneers. They're people who want to be the first to explore, to, to go on an adventure. That's a that's a a life accomplishment for them. You know, there's but there's plenty of things we need to do. And of course, one of the main parts of SpaceX's plan that we knew before this was that 2018 they're going to send an unmanned Red Dragon capsule to land on Mars, which is the first step. Um, but along these other unmanned flights that'll take place every other year because that's when the opposition of Mars, when it's closest to Earth, when Mars is closest, uh, that's 
when we go. And so every other year, they'll be doing unmanned flights that are going to carry science experiments and different rovers. Uh, and it'll either be SpaceX that makes those, or it could be other companies. I'm sure NASA will get in there as well. Um, and what Elon says is that the early flights are going to serve better uh, serve to better understand interplanetary navigation and allow the company to test its ability to safely land craft on Mars. And he's quoted here as saying, essentially, what we're saying... <laughs> is we're establishing a cargo route to Mars. It's a regular cargo route. You can count on it. It's going to happen every 26 months, like a train leaving the station. And if scientists around the world know that they can count on that, it's going to be inexpensive, relatively speaking, compared to anything in the past. Then they will plan accordingly and come up with a lot of great experiments. And it's true. It's true, having that expectation. That's one of the big things that definitely space science doesn't have right now or hasn't had in a while is a mission deadline that they can count on because when it's all governmentally funded and it has to politically pass and get a budget and every year they're rethinking the plan that was put into place the year before. So we can't do great science if it's that chaotic. We, we can't work on a great experiment because why would you work on a great experiment if there's a possibility, a really good possibility, that you won't make it? You won't make money. You will adjust to what is in front of you, which would be that we need to do a mission that's either really big does it great one time, but it's going to take a really long time for us to do it. Or you go for little missions that you know you can get done in a year, and then we miss out on on all the greatness. Because even those long missions are chaotic if they even make it. So having something that's 26 months Every year, and we have someone that's another company that has its own budget, that's mission statement, includes going to Mars. We're going to be able to do some really incredible things, and we're going to be able to learn about Mars and interplanetary travel and what it's going to take for us to live in space and to travel through space. These are the first steps. These are the foundation of doing that. And it's (laughs) really cool to see that the plans are slowly being leaked out here, you know? Uh, And if we go back to the article, which will be on this week's page, uh, you know, the 2018 trip, we use the Dragon spacecraft, as we said, uh, but it'll also be launched aboard the Falcon Heavy rocket, which has 27 first-stage engines. It's crazy. Uh, And it's supposed to fly later this year, Uh, And it's supposed to be the most powerful operational rocket in the world by a factor of two, which means it's twice as powerful as the most powerful rocket. Or no. Let me think of that logically. So it will be the most powerful rocket, but not just the most powerful. It will be what a factor two all right i lost that logic sorry folks <laughs> but uh it's gonna have over five million pounds of thrust liftoff which 
as the article says here, is the equivalent of 18,747 airplanes. It's a lot of power. And the Red Dragon is not going to be just something that lands on Mars. This is, this is a first as well because it's the largest object to land on Mars, Mars by a factor of 10, which means it's the most ambitious Martian landing ever attempted. Uh, and it, uh, there's some facts here that says, you know, there's been 43 robotic missions to Mars. That, didn't, that includes flybys. Uh, it's been done by four different countries, and only 18 of them have been total successes. So, if we do the math, the fraction, that's 42% of the time has, has been a successful mission. Curiosity was a, was an uh, astounding success by NASA and JPL, but this one is going to blow that out of the water. So there's a lot to happen in the 2018, uh, but there's there's more to come after that. 2020, um, the company SpaceX is going to aim to fly two Falcon Heavy rockets and a Dragon spacecraft that's loaded with experiments. He says by that time there will be quite a few organizations that are interested in running experiments to Mars. And, of course, those companies are just waiting for the first one to happen. Uh, and then in 2022, the article says, Musk said he hoped to launch what the company now sometimes refers to as the Mars Colonial Transporter, designed to bring a colony to Mars. So that's really, really fucking cool. <laughs> a Colonial Transporter. Martian colonists. I wonder if they're going to have like the same hats as the original pilgrims, if you will. Uh, and are they going to use buckles? Because I never really understood the buckle. Was it just like, like, was that just like a fashion statement? Or was it like, look at me, I got metal on my head. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm important. I've got metal. <laughs> I mean, was that it? Like, I don't know. Was that a fashion statement back then? I mean, it, it kind of looked weird. So we're definitely going to have something weird for the first Martian colonists. I just don't know what it's going to be. I mean, it'll have to be something with the spacesuit for sure. I mean, it would be really cool to have like, you know, that old school orange astronaut suit. If we had that, but like a Martian orange, like a, like a cool red rust, I think that looked really cool. Um, but as everything else we will find out in time. And Elon Musk has said that they're unveiling the system, the colonial transport system at a conference in September. And apparently he couldn't contain himself. Couldn't. He was saying, this is going to be mind blowing, mind blowing. It's going to be really great. And there's more to the article here, but really what I want you to take away from this is that we're going, we're getting there. All these little details, all these really cool futuristic things that they've been planning for years are now finally slowly coming out. And they've, I would hope, done enough work to make it something that we can all really do. We can work on it. It'll actually work, you know? Uh, and I want to see if it's influenced off of anything sci-fi because uh, Elon definitely has a, uh, a knack for that. So we'll see. But that's it for this week's Elon Musk said segment.
and we'll get back on to the uh, second half of Orbital News. And for the second part of Orbital News, we got to talk about the landing of Expedition 47 and the three-man crew that just returned from the ISS. That includes uh, the Soyuz commander, Yuri Malanchenko, Tim Copra, and Tim Peake, Britain's own Tim Peake. What uh, an amazing landing. It was beautiful uh, out in Kazakhstan. Um, you saw the uh, the landing of the Soyuz TMA from far, far away. It was like 80 degrees. Uh, and as they said during the broadcast, they the weather was perfect. They normally never... Uh, have that kind of uh, view. Uh, and I believe they touched down 5.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, and it would look like a beautiful day in Kazakhstan. And Expedition 47 has done a, a lot of work, you know. Uh, and it was, it's been fun paying attention to the work they've been doing, especially I, I, gotta, I have to give credit where credit is due. Tim Peake, Britain's first astronaut really he really was and is an incredible person you know what an englishman uh he's he's truly uh, a fun astronaut to listen to and i mean I, I was following him he ran the london marathon aboard the international space station uh and was doing some really cool educational stuff and, and what i mean by that is uh you know most astronauts if not all of them i believe uh, do some type of video or um, presentation of technology up there, you know, just doing the science they're already doing anyways. Uh, a lot of it is research-based. Some of it is um, like an application of physics or science or something like that. For instance, there was one where one thing he had noticed while he was in space was when he's in orbit and he was getting help. He was spinning around. He curled up into like a fetal ball position and someone started spinning him. So he's just spinning (laughs) constantly. And what he was trying to show was that when he first starts, you get that feeling of the rush of spinning. But as soon as he started going, that's when he noticed that his vestibular system pretty much just shut off and he couldn't feel it anymore. As soon as he was spinning, it just felt normal. And I think it was when he slowed down, he felt it again. But basically, um, either the vestibular system shuts down, so you don't feel those anymore because you're in low gravity, because for whatever reason, the trigger for the vestibular system is gravity. And that's a really interesting thing. You know, I, I wouldn't expect that to be the case but i mean we know there's crazy fluid shifts in space and this was something he had done after his body had already readjusted so it's an interesting thing to to kind of ponder is like okay you know that balance that inner ear thing that vestibular system you know is that really affected by gravity you know if we went to a planet with higher gravity would we have a harder time you know or what else? You know, it's just, it's a really interesting thought. And I thought these, those little things, that's, that's what a great astronaut does is make science and space interesting. And I think that's the sign of a really great astronaut. And I'm really excited to see the next mission that Tim Peake goes on. 
so congratulations to everyone involved, uh, Roscosmos, the Russian Space Agency, NASA, uh, and the ESA for uh, a great expedition, lots of science, lots of really, uh, all three of them, great people, and uh, I can't wait till their next mission. And that does it for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, again, next week we're going to shoot for Saturday, so look for it then. I would look for it uh, in the afternoon. Uh, and if it's not there, um, just check back and just know that you'll have something for Monday morning um, for sure. But uh, we're going to shoot for Saturday. Uh, I don't know what my work schedule is going to look like. So um, the sooner I know that and if I can get to work on it during the week, then we'll have an episode Saturday for sure. But uh just want to end the show reminding you that you have the power to change things. You really do. And what the only thing getting in the way of that is you and what you allow to affect and, and what you decide to do with your time. If you want to help make a change, go out there and make a change. If you're a scientist, be a citizen scientist. You don't need uh, uh, an organization behind you to do science. You can do it yourself. You know, and if you're a person out there who wants to help make people better and, and, and save humanity, be a part of humanity first. Work on that. Talk to people. Spread love. Spread science. And have a great week. And good luck with whatever you're doing this week, all right? So go out there, kick some ass. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend for another episode of Today in Space. Peace!